All right, we'll turn in your Bibles, please, to Luke chapter 5. That's where we're going to be today. <clears throat> we're going to look at verses 12 through 16. As you're turning there, I want to ask you, have you ever felt like you were in a place where you couldn't come to Jesus, approach Jesus? Something had happened or something is happening that separated you from fellowship with him because of your uncleanness or your impurity. You know, last week we talked a little bit in the message about Peter in John chapter 21 when Jesus is standing on the shore and and John recognizes that it's Jesus and says to Peter, it is the Lord. And, and his response, remembering that his response comes after he's denied the Lord three times. And his response is when he hears it's the Lord, he doesn't hide he jumps into the water to get to Jesus as quickly as he possibly can do you ever feel the opposite of that you just feel unclean and feel like you just can't come not like this i'm a i'm a prideful person and that manifests itself in different ways one of the main ways it manifests itself is in uh, i care about what people think It matters to me. I want people to like me. I fear man. And at times I can find that I, uh, I want other people. I'm more concerned with what other people think about me than I am about what God thinks of me. There's, there's times where I want, uh, you to like me or my wife to like me or my kids to like me or approve of me more than I'm caring about what God thinks of me. And at times when I, when I realize that I'm thinking more about me and living for me and, 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 and all of this is me, 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 and I really only care about me and not caring about the Lord in those times, it can become discouraging. Maybe a place where I'm discouraged by this. My, my, my pride manifests itself in other ways. It can manifest itself in, in, in not loving my wife as, I love, as Christ loved the church. Or the way that Peter says it in 1 Peter 3, not uh, living with her in an understanding way. And pride is, is, is saying to myself, uh, you deserve better than this, right? That's pride, right? You deserve better than whatever it is, whatever the circumstance is. And so that can manifest itself in, in, in different ways. It, it can cause me to be critical of people in my home. It can cause me to be critical of people in the body of Christ. It can cause me to be critical of people who are driving around me on the road. It can cause criticalness. It's pride. It's, it's this mindset of, of thinking I deserve better. And it's in those times I realize my heart is deceitful and it can be very, very discouraging. And maybe you struggle similarly with, with things like that. Maybe you feel the same way. Maybe at times you feel unclean. Maybe you, maybe you begin to think about spiritual things and, 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 and then you just wonder, like, why am I still struggling with this same thing that I struggled with a year or ten ago? 
You've tried and tried and you get discouraged or you feel alone or you feel hopeless or you feel like you can't come to Jesus. Jesus wouldn't want me like this. I can't come like this. I need to fix these things before I can come and be accepted by Jesus. Got to clean up. Got to make things right before he'll accept me. If you ever feel that way or if you do feel that way, the text today is hope-filled is a hope-filled, joy-filled text. The truth and hope that we have in Jesus. And so let's stand together. I just want to read Luke 5, starting with verse 12 and, and going through verse 16. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will... You can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded for a proof to them. But now even more, the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to him and to be gathered to to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your word that you've given to us. I pray, I pray for your help in this time, Lord, that you would be glorified and exalted above every other thing. In Christ's name, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Well, the first thing we see in the text here is we have an unclean man. Verse 12, while he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Jesus is in one of the cities. Luke doesn't tell us which city. But as he is there, this man begins to approach him. Now, this must have been a, an extremely dramatic scene. We don't get in the text what's going on with the crowd. There's a crowd that's following Jesus at this point. There's certainly people around. We don't get to look into what their expressions are, what their reaction is about this man approaching Jesus. But we can, we can assume what the reaction was because Luke tells us that the man was a leper. In fact, Luke says the man was full of leprosy. Maybe that's because Luke is a doctor. He's the only one that mentions that the man, the only writer, gospel writer, that mentions that the man is full of leprosy. And it may mean that that it was just consuming, that the leprosy had had taken such a, a, a strong effect on his body. He was consumed with leprosy. But this man is coming, approaching Jesus. The book of Leviticus in chapters 13 and 14, you can read through both of those chapters. It's the laws concerning leprosy. But in in just the first few verses of chapter 13, it says this, The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When a person has on the skin of his body a swelling or an eruption or a spot, and it turns into a case of leprous disease on the skin of his body, then he should be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons the priest's. 
And the priest shall examine the diseased area on the skin of his body. And if the hair in the diseased area has turned white and the disease appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is a case of leprous disease. When the priest has examined him, he shall pronounce him unclean. Unclean. That pronouncement, just imagine, imagine being there and finding a spot on your body, going to the priest and hearing that pronouncement, unclean. That would be haunting, outcast. You're unclean. Even your own body is going to reject you. Leprosy was a painful and detestable skin disease. It would leave a person looking disfigured. And if you suffered from leprosy, you were cast out. You couldn't live within the city. Lepers lived in isolation, away from all other people. In fact, Leviticus 13, verses 45 and 46 says, The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose. And shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He's unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. The leper was isolated, not just out of fear of infection spreading, but because they were ceremonially unclean. Just imagine that. Imagine having to call out wherever you went, unclean, unclean, as a warning. It's a warning. It's to warn people around, you can't come near me. You can't talk to me. You, you, you're, I'm an outcast. Stay away from me. Others would be aware then of your presence and not be contaminated. Lepers knew nothing of family life. They couldn't enjoy company with friends. And here we have in verse 12, this leper, a man full of leprosy, it says, and he's approaching Jesus. This man who's commanded to live outside of the city is in the city. It was against the law for him to be there to come into the city, and yet he's here. He knows, he knows what he needs. He needs to be cleansed. He needs to be cured. At this point in Luke already, we know that the, the rumors the, of, of, of Jesus are spreading. The news about this man is spreading. This man who's coming and proclaiming good news to the poor and liberty to the oppressed and those who are in captivity. And somehow this leper has heard about this man, Jesus. Maybe as he's sitting outside of the city gate and crowds of people just continue to come in and out of the gate and he's there alone wishing he could be with the crowd. Maybe he's hearing these people talking about this man, Jesus. And did you see what Jesus did? And, and have you heard of this man, Jesus, who heals the sick? However it was that he heard, he comes. And he approaches Jesus. The fact that he would approach Jesus in violation of the law 
reveals he's desperate. He had nothing to lose. Nothing to lose. And in his desperation, he falls on his face and begs him. Verse 12 says, he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And just look at the way he approaches Jesus. He comes humbly, right? I mean, just falling on his face, Lord, Master. There's, there's a humility, there's an absolute humility. This, this is one who's broken in spirit comes and falls on his face. He comes humbly. And secondly, he he comes convinced. He's convinced. He is convinced that Jesus is able to heal him. That's what he says. You can make me clean. What's up in the air is willingness, right? If you're willing, if you will, you can make me clean. I wonder if it's possible for us to put ourselves in the place of this man. And this moment is is tense. What will Jesus do? If Jesus is not willing, this man has no more hope for the rest of his life. If Jesus, like every other person in the world, rejects this man, there's no hope. He's an outcast and alone and unclean forever. I think we can put ourselves in his place. Because leprosy in the scriptures was one of the clearest pictures of sin. It wasn't sin. It wasn't a sin to be a leper. But it's like sin. And it's used often to to demonstrate, it shows what sin is like. Like the leper, our lives are disfigured. Our hearts are spoiled. Just like his skin is spoiled. Our lives are broken. We suffer from a different ailment than leprosy. Our ailment is sin. It stained our souls. And we need to be cleansed. And we're just as desperate as this man. Just as desperately as this leper needs to be cleansed, we need to be cleansed. And in the same way, if Jesus says no, if we come to him, Lord, if you will, if you're willing, you can make me clean. If Jesus says no, we're just as hopeless our only chance it's our only hope is Jesus and so he comes and he falls on his face Lord if you will you can make me clean and then we see Jesus response in verse 13 and Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying I will be clean and immediately the leprosy left him this verse is amazing Mark chapter 1, verse 41, Mark writes it this way, moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. The response of Jesus to the most repulsive of circumstances is not criticism or cynicism, it's compassion. 
compassion. Here's this man who's been rejected by everyone, whose appearance must have been horrible. And he comes pleading with Jesus, and Jesus is compassionate. It's important for us to remember in the context of the story that Jesus is God in the flesh. We've been seeing throughout this Gospel of Luke that God's Word is absolutely authoritative. Absolutely authoritative. When when Jesus speaks to tumultuous waves, peace, be still, they're calm instantly. So Jesus could have looked at the leper and said, I am willing, be clean. And he would have instantaneously been cleansed. Just as clean as he is in Jesus' response. But that's not what Jesus does, right? He doesn't just speak. He doesn't keep his distance from this unclean person. It says he reaches out his hand and puts his hand on the leper and then says, I will be clean. He didn't have to do that. It was not necessary for Jesus to show compassion in that way, to touch this leper, to touch this outcast, to touch this one that every other person would flee from. He didn't have to do that, but he did. It's one of the most beautiful pictures of the compassion of Jesus. What must have that felt like for this man to be loved probably for the first time in years and years and years, touched by another person, someone who didn't flee from them, but embraced them. It's amazing, amazing picture of grace and compassion. Another amazing part of this is that touching a leper would make someone unclean. That's what the law says. Reaching out to touch a leper made you unclean. And so how is it that Jesus gets away with this? It's a big deal. It could ruin everything, right? (laughs) If Jesus is unclean, he's unperfect. So how does he do this? How does he reach out and touch this leper and not be unclean? We see it in other places in the Gospels. It's not just the leper. It's later on in Luke. He touches a dead person. Touches the body. You can't do that. You're unclean if you do that. Remember the story of the woman with the issue of blood who who comes up behind him and, and, and reaches out and just touches his garment. You can't do that. You can't touch people like that. Because you become unclean. So what what's going on here? And how is it that Jesus can reach out in compassion and touch this leper? The picture is beautiful and helpful for us. What is demonstrating here in the text is that Jesus' holiness overcomes our unholiness. His purity overcomes our impurity. The leper doesn't rub off on Jesus, in other words. Our impurities don't rub off on him. He's holy, he's set apart, he's perfect. And he's the only hope for this man and he's the only hope for us. 
And the hope in this and the hope of him reaching out is that we might also know that it is not repulsive to him for us to come to him as we are. We don't have to clean ourselves up. He's not repulsed by us. He's not repulsed by our sinfulness. We don't rub off on him. We don't change his character. We don't change his purity. We don't make him less holy. He is holy and he's compassionate. And Jesus' power instantly, instantly cleanses this man. And his power and compassion and grace can do the same for you and for me. He is willing. He's willing. I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. It goes on in verse 14 and shows us the result for the leper. He charged him, the leper. Jesus charged the leper to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest. Make an offering for for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. Two things that Jesus says for him to do. First of all, don't tell anybody. Don't, don't tell anyone. Just go to the priest. Show yourself to the priest. Why does he do that? Why does he say don't tell anybody? We see that over and over and over again. Well, the reason was, he, he, the reason he tells people not to tell everyone is because the more and more and more people that hear about Jesus and his power and that this may be the one who's come, the promised one, the Messiah to come, they're going to want to force him to become King. In fact, John 6 says that very thing. Jesus, knowing, presuming that they were about to force him to be their king, left them. It's not time for that yet. It's not why he came yet. Jesus came to suffer, to seek and save the lost, and then to bear the weight and penalty of the sins of everyone who would ever believe in him on the cross. That's why he came. He didn't come to be placed in kingship yet. And so he says, don't tell, don't tell anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering. The process by which a cleansed leper was readmitted into the community, into society, was by doing that. You go to the temple for an examination by a priest, shaving, bathing, washing clothes, offering multiple sacrifices, along with an offering of grain and oil. You see that in Leviticus 14. You read through that. But Jesus tells him, go and do this as a proof to them. There's three things we see in Jesus telling him to go to show himself to the priest as a proof to them. First of all, it shows that Jesus upholds the law. He says in Matthew 5, I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Secondly, what would happen after this man shows himself to the priest and is, is proclaimed clean? People would believe this man is clean now and he's going to be received back into the community. Can you imagine can you imagine the joy Jesus sending him to the priest so that there's, there's an approval from the priest and the people care about that approval from the priest. And so there's an approval from the priest so that this man is welcomed back into society. He doesn't have to dwell outside the, the, the city anymore. He can mingle around with people. He's going to be welcomed back in. Joy, that is a joyful thing. But third, Jesus says it would be proof. 
Go show yourself to the priests as a proof. Proof of what? Proof that to the priests, proof that Jesus really is the Messiah who was to come. The result for this man is cleanness and community. You're no longer ostracized. This is such a wonderful picture of the gospel, this vertical transformation that takes place. Jesus, the Son of God, has accepted this man. But then a horizontal transformation takes place. For the first time ever, he is welcomed now among other people who are clean. He's a part of them now. And so there's a vertical and a horizontal transformation that takes place and very much like the picture of the gospel. When Jesus receives us and cleanses us and frees us from our sin and then we have this community now, this us. We who are hidden in Christ, his body. And it goes on in 15 and 16 and shows us the result for others. But now even more, the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. What happens? He doesn't stay quiet about it, does he? Don't tell anybody. He goes and tells. And all the more, all the more, all the more news about Jesus is spreading. So much so that People are coming, people are hearing about Jesus, coming to hear and be healed of their infirmities. The news about Jesus is going to other people, and it's good news. And again, Luke shows us in 16, emphasizes or highlights this fact that Jesus would withdraw, sought out fellowship with his Father, Go to desolate places to pray. What is that? It's fellowship. Seeking fellowship. Wanting to be with his father. In the midst of all this, he's not seeking fame. He's seeking fellowship. He wants to be with his father. It's such a wonderful, this text is such a wonderful display of the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus right here in these few verses. And this story about a leper. Jesus has come. We've seen, beginning in Luke, Jesus comes proclaiming the kingdom of God and bringing and demonstrating the kingdom of God. And here's this man in the midst of chapter 5, this man full of leprosy. He's broken. It's not supposed to be this way. This is not the way it's supposed to be. This is not the way God created him to be. His skin is not, skin is not supposed to be this way. It's not the way things are supposed to be in the kingdom. People are not supposed to be like this. Jesus is bringing the kingdom and demonstrating, this is, the, this is not how it's supposed to be in my kingdom. This is not how it is in my kingdom. We're not supposed to be this way. We're not supposed to live the way that we live. You and I, we were not created to live the way that we live. We were not created to live self-centered lives. We were not created to be prideful. We were not created to be angry. We were not created to be whatever it is. We're not created for that. We were created to glorify God, to live for His glory. We weren't meant to be this way. We're broken. 
And leprosy is an outward picture of an inward reality, brokenness. This world is broken. We are broken. And that's not how things are in the kingdom of God. Things are not broken in his kingdom. This man is in pain physically and spiritually. He's alone. He was hopeless. He was afraid. But those symptoms are multiplied when you think of how they're applied to those who are sick in their hearts and separated from God because of their sin. When the sickness is not leprosy, but the sickness is sin, these symptoms, these symptoms of hopelessness and fear and and being alone and in pain, those are multiplied. Because what we have is not a skin disease, it's a heart disease. And the truth of the gospel is that Jesus came to restore us to what we were made to be, what we were intended to be, what we were meant to be. We heard earlier 1 Corinthians chapter 15 being read. That's the goal. That's what we're headed towards. New earth. Restored bodies. Glorified bodies. That's the way it's meant to be. That's the way it was intended to be. And Jesus has come to restore. Jesus has come to renew. To make us what we were made to be. And so what do we do? What do we do with our uncleanness? What do we do when we feel like we're impure and we, we just can't come to Jesus like this? He wouldn't want us like this. What do we do? First of all, I would say if you don't know Him, come to Him. Can you imagine being this man in Luke 5 or... Go back to Leviticus 13. Can you imagine being one of those people who found the sore with the hair in it? Can you imagine being? Can you imagine the day you find it? You have, you have a choice there, right? To be honest, you could pluck the hair and cover the sore. Right? You could. But it's not going to do anything. There's an underlying issue. The hair is not the problem. The sore is not the problem. There's an underlying issue. That's the problem. You're unclean. And in the same way as people, it's not going to do to just cover up your anger. It's not going to do to just pluck out the selfishness. It's not going to do to just somehow hide the pride. It's not going to do. There's an underlying issue. You're unclean. You're unclean because of sinfulness. Come to Jesus. If there's anything we we see from the text, it's that He is willing to make us clean. Believe in Him and follow Him. He came to this earth to die for sins. To to take the punishment, in other words. to, To bear the punishment for sins. On the cross, he willingly, willingly took the punishment for the sins of every single person who would ever believe in him. And so if the question is, is he willing? He's willing. When we come to him like this leper, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. His answer has never changed. It's still the same. I'm willing. Just as Mark says, filled with pity, compassion. 
His answer is the same. I'm willing. Be clean. So come, come and plead with him. Repent and believe in the gospel. And know that you're not repulsive to Jesus. There's nothing you have ever done or ever could do that would make you repulsive to Jesus. He's willing. And for those of us who do know him, those of us who are saved and yet often feel unclean, feel like we have to do something before we can come to him, I would ask you, how quick are you to repent? How quick are you to repent of your sins? When we're not willing to repent, our slowness to repent reveals what we believe about Jesus. I would ask you, do you believe that he is compassionate? That he is merciful? That he is willing? That he loves you? Do you believe those things? It's our, it's our, our willingness and, and quickness to repent that shows we believe. We believe you are a God merciful and compassionate and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And know, if you're in Christ, know that Jesus has cleansed you once and for all. And we're coming back, repenting, remembering what he has done. In fact, that's what Paul reminds the Corinthians of in 1 Corinthians 6. In verse 9, it says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed You were sanctified and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. If you're hidden in Christ, you're His. You don't have to be ashamed to come to Him. You don't have to be ashamed to repent of your sin. You don't have to be ashamed. He's not repulsed by you. He died for you. And we ought to be quick in repentance. We ought to be quick in coming to Him, declaring to Him, we believe, we believe that we are desperate for you and we believe that you will not turn us away. And we believe that you are a God gracious and compassionate. And then in your coming, examine your heart. For those of us who are in Christ, are you displaying this kind of compassion? It's, It's an amazing, it's an amazing picture. You think of the compassion of Jesus in this text. Are we his body displaying this kind of compassion for others, this kind of love. No one who has been accepted by God should be unaccepted by his people. No one should feel like an outcast. And just as this man was restored and able to have fellowship with God and with other people, so it is in the body of Christ. We love because he first loved us. And I would ask, do do we love each other? We've been welcomed. We've been welcomed as the friends of God and therefore we can welcome each other. We love because he loves. There's no one, there's no one, no person that we ought not to approach the way that Jesus approaches this man. We ought not to be repulsed by other people's sinfulness. We ought to look in a mirror. 
and see that we are more sinful and count them as more significant than ourselves. In the passage, Jesus sends the man to the priest as a proof. We take together the Lord's Supper each week, the bread and the cup. As you think about that, that that picture there in the text, our priest is Jesus, our high priest is Jesus. And our sacrifice has been made. And so we, in taking the bread and cup together, we go together. We don't go alone. It's a lot like this man who's sent alone to the priest to be accepted. We come taking the bread and the cup. We're coming together into the presence of our priest. Coming before him together. And we're remembering together as proof that we have been made clean. That's what 1 Corinthians 11 is saying. It's a proof. We're we're proclaiming together. We believe, we believe, we believe. The proof of us being accepted, the proof that we are accepted by Jesus is what we are about to do. It's taking the bread that, that symbolizes his body that was broken so that we could be forgiven and made clean. His blood that was poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. That was him reaching out and touching us. That was his compassion for us. And as we take the bread and the cup together, we do it as a proof, as a proclamation, as Paul says. And I would caution you and and encourage you, if you have no intention of living in light of the gospel, living in light of this, living in light of the bread, the body that was broken and, and the blood that was poured out, if you have no intention of living in light of that, then don't take it. Don't take it. That would be taking it in an unworthy manner. That's what Paul's saying in 1 Corinthians 11. That's what he's addressing. And also, if you, if you have no intention of living horizontally with others as a presentation or representation of the grace of God, or you're not repentant to that end, desiring to be compassionate with other people and, and love and live horizontally with others in a way that displays the gospel, then don't take it. That's, that's exactly what Paul's addressing there in 1 Corinthians 11. He's talking about counting others as more significant than yourself. You have a group here, and, and they probably got along really well, and then you have a group over here, and these people here weren't counting these people as more significant than yourself. And he warns them and says, don't take it. Because you're taking it in an unworthy manner. And so as we hold the bread and the cup, let's examine our hearts. Let's pray. Let's think. Let's worship. Let's come repenting and believing. God, you are a God merciful. You're God compassionate. You're not repulsed by what I've done this week. You died for what I did. You're not repulsed by it. You know me. You know my frame. You know. And come believing and confessing and then together enjoy. Let us together as his body take as proof, as proclamation, Paul says, that we believe the gospel. Let's pray. Father, thanks for your goodness and your grace. For your love for us, Lord, we thank you. And we confess to you, we need you, Lord. I pray that your spirit would just work in our hearts right now, Lord. That by your word, these words that we've read from Scripture, Lord, that by your words, you would 
penetrate hearts and by your spirit you would search hearts, Lord. And, and Lord, if there's anyone here who feels like you would be repulsed by them, Lord, help them to see the truth in your word. That you are willing and that you alone can cleanse. We cannot fix ourselves up or cleanse ourselves in any way. It's all you, Lord. And so I pray that they would come today. I pray that they would believe today that you would save them and cleanse them today, Lord. And I pray as we even hold the bread and the cup, that we would remember as you've commanded us to, that we would remember who we are in you. Holy and blameless before you, your word says. Loved and adopted as your children, your very own. And so help us, help us that we would take the bread and take the cup and proclaim your death in hopes of your coming. And we pray for your glory in all of it. In Christ's name, amen.